These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here for this episode of One Last Thing with co-host Slava Cooperstein. Slava, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Any any week after a win is a good one. You know, that's so true. Changes my whole outlook on life. What's happening with the Orioles here is great. What's happening with the Ravens so far is great uh, in a relative sense. And we all know wealth is relative in this world. You don't know that as an economic fact, by the way. That's that's true. Uh, but anyway, in terms of our happiness, not all things are right with the Baltimore Ravens in terms of injuries. But they're two and zero, and they're in a better position than a lot of the rest of the division anyway in terms of their their current spot. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, I would uh, credit a lot of the uh, reasons for why we're two and zero to uh, our our two uh, coordinators. There you go. Well, that's that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and I, I think this is a great idea. This is all Slava, by the way. This isn't me. It's about talking about a, a review of the coordinators through two games and, and how things have gone uh, right and wrong, particularly in the Cincinnati game, but uh, in general as well. But Slava, why don't you start it off? Yeah, so uh, I guess we can start with um, uh, the new the new guy, a kid on the block, uh, Todd Munkin, um, and uh, what we've seen so far through through two weeks. I think that uh, you know, week one, uh, we sort of saw what, what could be attributed to rust. Um, but you know, when you only have the one week to look at, you're kind of worried, you know, is, is this going to be something that, um, we can get on track in a reasonable amount of time, especially with the Cincinnati Bengals looming and they play us tough every week. And, you know, week two, I think allayed a lot of people's concerns with that, with that performance. Yeah, I would agree, and not not at one under easy circumstances with with a couple offensive linemen missing, uh, losing Odell during the game, uh, 
you know, playing going back to, to two tight ends, which was uh, to me a little bit strange that Kolar was an inactive. I guess Kolar is a forced activation this week, which would be an interesting thing. But they, they did they did things a little differently. They obviously were without J.K. Dobbins, and they and they may do in, in terms of running backs there. Um, but perhaps the most interesting thing to me was the way they were able to actually close out a game and going in after week one. I was more concerned that I was entering the season and their ability to do that because they really did not play good fourth quarter football. They did not were not able to run out of the clock. It was night and day in uh, in week two. They were able to turn that around, uh, run extremely effectively, get the last 328 of the game uh, done. And I thought Monken deserves a lot of the credit for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly couldn't help but think of you uh, during the game, uh, not, not just when we closed it out, uh, which, you know, obviously – you know, the key to that is they absolutely know that what we want to do is run the ball. And what did we do? We ran the ball effectively and we were smart about it. We didn't outthink ourselves. Munkin didn't outthink himself. He said, uh, who's, who's going to be my toughest, you know, running back, picking up short yardage. That's going to be Gus mm-hmm. Edwards. Yeah. And it was, it, it honestly is not only that they, they did some very um, creative things to make running easier and and you know with their offensive line you know a little bit banged up that wasn't necessarily going to be as easy as it had been linderbaum is a big key to what they do in the on the run game in past years ronnie stanley really had been because of his mobility and obviously he's he's more limited now as a player given given what's going on with his ankle but they played a lot of unbalanced line so in the last series of six plays, they had five unbalanced line plays they had five others during the game where they either used a six-man alignment or an unbalanced five. It was mostly unbalanced five um, trying to tuck in Morgan Moses uh, to play effectively as a guard inside of Patrick McCary. So they would either move Moses to the left and stick him on the inside, or they would move McCary to the right and put him on the outside. And they were very effective at doing that, at pulling out of those formations in addition. So sometimes they had four left, uh, meaning meaning this, the center and three others left, and Zeitler would be left on the right would also pull, and so they would I, obviously the, the 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 defenses formed up differently against that to start with, but it still uh, provides you with a lot of mass in the middle there, uh, primarily with with Moses and the left guard Simpson, uh, you know, getting being able to get a lot of push. Anyway, he's very impressed with how he changed the offensive line format, uh, the, the to a lot of unbalanced line. The last time the Ravens did that very regularly was in the 2008 season when they had that great running game and they had Willie Anderson, who was their right tackle, not a particularly mobile guy, but a big elephant of a man, pretty decent pass protector, honestly, although he's not tremendously physical. And he moved, uh, they moved him and tucked him in on the left side and they kept him on the right side tucked in as well. and, And he was very effective in that role. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think I think that's just smart scheming and smart coaching. It's it's sort of looking at the situation. Okay, you have two offensive linemen who are injured. How do we mm-hmm. how, how do we you know uh, adapt to this situation to you know execute in the way that we want to execute? It's easy you know to go up there in the podium afterwards and say, oh well, the guys just should have executed. But then you're not really taking responsibility for your yeah. job as a coach to put your players in a position to succeed what you've just described is what Munkin did uh, to put his players in a position to succeed, to put uh, Gus Edwards in a position to succeed. And of course the use of uh, Patrick Ricard um, uh, to, to help close out, uh, to close out the final few minutes of the game, I, I think was very timely and 
should allay concerns that, uh, you know, Ricard doesn't have a role in this offense. Yeah, I, well, I agree with that. And that's that, that obviously is a big uh, monkey off the bat because good teams that get ahead a lot, that score a lot of points, and the Ravens are looking like they can be that kind of a team. Um, they need to close out games. They need to find out ways. And the Ravens had a 10-point lead that anything, anybody watching that game in the fourth quarter and watching Cincinnati move methodically down the field for their last touchdown on what turned out to be their last drive would have been concerned about the Ravens blowing another 10-point lead. And, you know, the, Cincinnati, the ball, they moved down the field, 328 to go. Oh, my God, here we go again. You know, is this a chance of, of they're going to give up the football in the fourth quarter and it's going to be the Giants or the, or the uh, um, uh, Dolphins or the Bills game of last year and they're going to blow another lead? Well, it didn't happen because they, they basically ran that last 328 out like it was 2019. They did try and pass once, by the way, in those set of plays, and then Lamar just scrambled out of it for a run anyway. But I thought it was funny to have Matt Ryan doing the game, and he's you know, screaming, I think they have to pass here. I think they have to be willing to throw the football at <laughs> and they never actually had to. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, maybe maybe Matt Ryan uh, uh, could, could uh, you know, look back on his own Super Bowl tape and learn some, some lessons from there. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm glad, I'm glad we operated the way that we operated. And, you know, you could just see it right out of the gate in the first, um, first drive, you know, it was near nearly an eight minute drive sustained throughout a uh, good, good mixture of run and pass. Um, other reason that I thought of you uh, while I watched the game was the use of Devin Duvernay in exactly the way yep. that you were hoping he'd be used um, uh, you know, some of the gadget stuff, jet sweeps and, and all, and all that, and just getting the different players involved, um, and not blinking once, uh, you know, OBJ went down, OBJ goes down. Okay. I'm looking for Nelson Aguilar. Right. And obviously we have, uh, uh, players, we've acquired players that allow us to do that. We've completely revamped the wide receiver room understood, but it's still making use of the talent that we have. Uh, and and having that as well as the situation dictate what our game plan is. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that was extremely well done. I'm, I'm very happy with the use of gadgetry. Still, in my mind, are, are overusing Flowers to a certain degree. I I, I con- I'm concerned about his ability to get through the season with as many touches as as they're trying to generate for him as a runner in particular, but also just on some of these uh, outside wide receiver screen plays. He's great at making people miss. But when he doesn't make people miss, it's a big hit every time on on those kind of plays. You got a lot of players screaming downhill at him. You got a lot of zone coverage concepts against the Ravens because of Lamar that cause everybody to be looking back downhill and trying to make a tackle. It's a it's a rally to the ball kind of situation, and I think they need somebody other than Flowers to take a burden off that. And maybe that'll be Keaton Mitchell when he returns. Uh, Justice Hill already suffering from turf toe, so he's going to have to take a few less, obviously, and and uh, and then hopefully. Uh, Duvernay's back in the offense now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I guess that that kind of brings up a good question. You know, we, we both seem to be pretty happy uh, with what Munkin has brought to the offense so far. But um, aside from maybe scaling back Zay Flowers' use or adjusting his use a little bit in, in that respect, what other things are you looking for in the coming weeks from Munkin? I, I, I would like him to develop to a greater extent the ability to open up the middle of the field for the tight ends and for receivers. I, w- I don't think that's been done as much as could be. We saw Andrews have some catches. A lot of those were short in the zone kind of catches. 
Um, in fact, they were really at level one or sorry, you know, not between level two and level three, but at level two, I'll, I'll say it. Um, Andrews has lived in the seam. He's lived on the deep outs. He's lived in the deep middle. Um, the key to doing that is, is getting more deep routes run where safety help is demanded. And I think one of the really nice things about the long ball to flowers was that it's going to, it's going to create a lot of forced double coverage for the, for the safety on his side. Uh, I would think for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I would, I would think so too. Um, even, even the toss to, you know, Aguilar, uh, you know, it just really suggests that the, the Ravens are going to, uh, defenses are going to have to defend the receivers deep and uh, give considerable uh, attention to that. Um, I guess what I would add to that is I, I'd like to see some, uh, particularly this week with the Colts, if, if the game goes as we would expect it to, I think, and pretty reasonably expect it to, um, if we uh, got a comfortable lead, I'd really like to see some reps uh, some passing reps go to uh, go to some of the um, other tight ends or some or mm-hmm. maybe Duvernay and just get that sort of trust capital built up because it happens every season. There's you know a play where your you know t- number one, number two, number three options are well covered and you have to go to a guy who hasn't caught a ball in five weeks. Well, you know I think I think it behooves us to you know, get everybody involved as much as possible. It's a long season. There are injuries. I mean, for multiple reasons, it does. Because you, you, you part of what Flowers is hopefully going to create for this, this offense is space where you can take advantage of single teams. But in the NFL, everybody is single teamed. And, you know, you have the ability to maybe double team one player uh, if you'd like to and still spy the quarterback in a, in a, you know, a situation like the, like the Ravens have. Now, if that's the case, you know, you have to make use of all of those one-on-one opportunities and the space created by your uh, lid lifter. And, and you've got to trust every single one of those, those outlets right now. Right now, it does not seem like Lamar Jackson and Likely, for example, are exactly in a great trust situation. It's likely he's getting some low-value targets, and I think it would really make sense for Monken to scheme uh, some additional high-value plays to him in this next week. I'd say the same about DuVernay, by the way, but DuVernay completely earned his trust with the run, I think with the pass as well, but he did drop a ball or a ball got to the ground somehow on a short out route. It's in the, about the four hole, meaning between the, between the, the hashes and the right numbers early on in the game. Uh, I think the more, the more you get some individual throws. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. to those guys they start converting them into easy catches then then you uh you, you'll see lamar going to them in one-on-one situations yeah and I, I think that was a very difficult catch to make um uh for for duvernay i don't think he you know it's a situation where he you know it's not like uh kolar dropping that pass that no. um, that that no. was directly you know to him should have been caught i actually noticed i think in both weeks uh one of the earliest plays were, were passes to likely um i I, I don't know what you can make of that, if anything, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, getting those guys involved and showing some different looks, um, uh, you know, if you look at the difference between weeks one and weeks two, I think that we can reasonably expect that, it, you know, some version of that coming in week, weeks three and four. All right. Well, how about we flip it over to the defense in terms of what's happened there? And, uh, and uh, you know, this is really your show, I guess. I want you to t- tell me, what have you been really excited about in terms of McDonald's defense this season? I'm, I'm really thrilled with McDonald going back to last year. I mean, this is now four games in a row where McDonald uh, has uh, defensively owned the Bengals with his scheme. I, Joe Burrow and, and that, you know, high octane passing game really hasn't made much headway at all in any of the four games. Um, and it doesn't seem, and, you know, obviously, granted, the uh, the Bengals, um, you know, are dealing with some issues of their own. Joe Burrow has an injury; he can't quite step into his passes. But, but you know, you you can only put so much on that if he's healthy enough to play. You know, and he has two world beaters at receiver. Um, you know, you, you would think that they could get a little bit more done than they have, but uh, they really, you know, haven't been been able to make a dent in his scheme. And I I just think it speaks to McDonald isn't saying at any given moment, this is this team's identity, which is another way of saying, this is the identity I want to carve out as a coach. You know, we're going to, we're going to rush the passer every time, or we're going to, you know, we're going to do X, Y, or Z. His identity that he's carving out is we, our identity is winning. And that's, that's what matters to him. And it, it shows in his adaptability week in and week out. Um, I absolutely agree, by the way, with that, that, that I, and I think also it's something that's occasionally unfairly mapped to former defensive coordinators like uh, Dean Pease and Wink Martindale had their own normal biases with regard to Pease really liking to, to be more uh, passive and allow the quarterback to make mistakes and Martindale being more of a forced error defensive coordinator where he'd like to um, make, make the quarterback uncomfortable in multiple ways. Uh, but certainly with a bias towards pressure schemes. 
I, I don't think McDonald is very extreme in either direction. Um, I think he, that he's uh, both of them, by the way, the previous coordinators, both very adaptable. The Ravens really haven't had a bad defensive coordinator in their entire existence. Some people would say Madison or, uh, you know, was bad. But if, if you really think Madison is a is a bad defensive coordinator, you don't know what a bad defensive coordinator is. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, Wink, uh, probably the third greatest defensive coordinator in Ravens history behind um, Marvin Lewis and uh, Rex Ryan. And it, and it would be close probably with him and Ryan in terms of deciding who was, who was really important. But with McDonald, I think they do really have somebody special here. He's, he's very adaptable on a game-to-game basis. I, I'm going to go back to what you said about the Bengals. The Bengals in 2021 against Wink, you know, obviously it was a, it was a time of DoorDash corners, so they had a lot of problems, but that's what we got right now too. Let's let's face it. <laughs> we got some corners that are less than than ideal. Um, but the uh, uh, Wink allowed 941 yards or, or Wink's defense has allowed 941 yards to Burrow in, the, in that season. And, and in the four games since Burrow really hasn't had a single passer rating of as high as 100. Um, and he's and he's forced Burrow into this underneath game when it is exactly plays to minimize the weaknesses of the Ravens corners. Um, and, and Burrow, this last game, I, 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 you may have seen this or not, but he had seven attempts of 15-plus yards. He was 0 for 7 with an interception for a 0.0 passer rating. So, you know, he's – uh, I think you probably heard most of that in terms of, of uh, how it's gone because it's a lot of his parroting uh, or, or expanding on some of the things you said earlier. But what, what is it about um, McDonald, some other things maybe that you've liked uh, besides his impact on Joe Burrow? Well, so, I, I mean, McDonald's dealt with some serious injury issues. Uh, I, mean, I mean, and to be fair, Munkin has as well, but McDonald uh, said, all right, how are we going to, you know, make make lemonade out of these lemons? Um, you know, we have extremely, you know, maybe the corners that we're putting, uh, trading out there aren't particularly um, the best, you know, the, the best in terms of, uh, you know, covering or trailing receivers, but they are extremely physical. Okay. So we're going to make use of that. We're going to have them be very physical with the receivers, um, you know, uh, kind of beat them up sort of, uh, uh, Patriots Rams style. And, uh, uh although, yeah, you know, not, not in today's NFL. Right. But, uh, but, uh, you know, we're going to have, a, you, we're going to play an extremely physical game in the secondary, and the safeties are going to help them out over the top. You know, we're going to put them in a position to succeed. And we're yeah. and yeah, go ahead. I, I, I absolutely agree. And the, the the fact that the safeties were over the top really played into the hands because you know obviously if if they're great downhill players and you want to be looking at the quarterback anyway, and they're they're comfortable doing that and play, comfortable playing some off coverage, all those throws to the outside basically negated the weaknesses of those corners and you know you're not asking to play on an island uh and you're sacrificing some ga- something in the run game theoretically to do it and that's also something that the Bengals didn't take advantage of they stayed with their identity as a passing team they ran the ball 15 times for 66 yards that's 4.4 they had a little bit of success um but they but they didn't they didn't really capitalize on that I guess some, you know, they would point to game situation, but I think the game was close enough. They certainly could have run more than they did. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that the, um, I think that the defensive game plan just showed extreme patience and belief in what, uh, what McDonald was, you know, what the plan was. 
Um, you know, and even when uh, the Bengals did, uh, you know, score, uh, you know, score a touchdown, it didn't, it didn't immediately, you know, signal to them we need to change everything. Look, look, T. Higgins is going to body up uh, most DBs uh, in in the NFL. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean the result does not mean that the process was not working. Right. It's, you know, eventually in the NFL, your offenses are going to break through. They have star players. And, you know, sometimes it is bend, but don't break. But you have to believe in it. And uh, McDonald didn't uh, didn't panic. And so, you know, I think I think that it really shows his maturity as a coordinator and has has, shows that his players really buy into what he's selling. Yeah, I I would agree. And, you know, it's hard to overstate how disadvantaged the Ravens were in this game. And and maybe in a sense, it's a case where the Bengals were the perfect opponent for week two, given Burroughs uh, physical problems also, because I think he was having a problem uh, stepping into throws even before the injury, which happened obviously right at the end of the game, uh, apparently got worse. But I don't think he was stepping into his throws very well. If you look at the Geno Stone interception, it was a case of there was just not enough velocity on that ball as well as Geno Stone read it the entire way. If you're, if you're in zone defense against Joe Burrow right now, and I think that every defensive coordinator in the league is going to see that, boy, we got to play lots of cover two shell because we want to take away the deep pass from this team. Uh, you have forever to get to the football because Joe Burrow is lofting up what are basically you know long-range artillery shells, a, a, a much lower velocity uh, thing than, than the kind of you know, line drives or laser shots you see from a Joe Flacco or even a Kyle Bowler in the past, uh, who I think either one of them might have completed the the pass to Higgins for the touchdown instead of having it be intercepted by Stone. Yeah, I mean, it's it was definitely good timing uh, from that perspective. But, you know, on the flip side, we don't have, uh, you know, Marlon Humphrey or Marcus Williams to, you know, our top two players in the secondary. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, uh, uh, Rocky Sin is hasn't gotten that many reps yet. He had a great play this game for sure. Wasn't that great? <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. And, and, you know, just so physical and, and really showed that um, I, I think it's a well-coached play too. You know, it's sort of uh, sort of showing you don't give up on the play just because the receiver seems to have, you know, gotten the catch, mm-hmm. you know, just play through the whistle. Um, and, and, you know, boy, are we seeing the results of, of, of some good coaching, I think on both sides. Uh, that's that play is immediately on the high re- highlight reel for the defense for the entire season, just slinging chase to the ground and separating him from the football in the process. Just a, a an absolute thing of beauty. And uh, uh, it was, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic about what's happened in two weeks. I thought they did exactly what they should have also against Stroud in terms of allowing um, unforced errors to occur to him. And even when Stroud really didn't, he didn't put the ball in jeopardy a lot. He did other things that weren't great. He, he got stripped and and uh, wasn't particularly good on long passes. But what the Ravens have been able to accomplish this year with a very limited pass rush and now a way out and a very limited set of corners and still preventing big passing plays, remarkable through two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the thing that I'm looking forward to in coming weeks is, um, you know, the players who will be coming back, uh, who we know are coming back soon, hopefully, you know, Bowser, Malik Ham, um, uh, ostensibly Marlon, because he wasn't put on IR, um, uh, you know, uh, just seeing 
being careful about sort of managing their uh, uh, being included in the game plan and, and also just keeping an eye on that uh, rotation in the defensive line. I think that's going to be really key. Um, and, you know, I think we may even need, uh, you, you know, to pick, take a look at potential free agents um, uh, for the defensive line just to sort of keep keep people fresh. You're specifically talking about like edge players, right, uh, in particular? Yeah, I, well, I, I would say all, all along the defensive line, but yes, primarily edge players. Okay, because they haven't had that injury yet on the defensive line, unless you know something I don't, but that would be uh, be bad. No, n- n- nothing yet. Just looking at like how things have played out the past year, mm-hmm. uh, p- past years in terms of, you know, Matabike hitting a little bit of a wall and, you know, us no longer having Calais Campbell, obviously, you know, with the health of Michael Pierce and, 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 and all of that, we do have replacement for some of those snaps. Um, you know, I'm just hoping that everybody can hold up. No, very, yeah, that's a very legitimate point. Uh, Slava, always a pleasure to do this show with you. Uh, why don't we, uh, Tell folks where they can find you online and talk football with you. I'm on Twitter at Slava Cooperstein. That's S-L-A-V-A-K-U-P-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. Had some great short ideas come in just this week. Uh, really looking forward to them in terms of uh, what's going on. I'm not going to give them away, but but I really appreciate people continuing to come through with new ideas. Uh, please hit me up. I'll get back to you. DMs are always open on Twitter. Uh, for Slava Cooperstein, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye, and we'll talk to you next week on One Last Thing. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.